This is my story. My husband Dan and I both came from religious homes. I attended Ursuline Academy and Dan attended Griffin. We met at a basketball game when we were both 18. Our first date was to a movie called Beyond and Back. We thought we were going to see a scary movie, but it turned out to be a documentary on people who had died and come back to life. We were engaged after six months and were married and expecting at age 19. We lived with Dan's parents for the first year and a half of our marriage. During that time, Terry Nimchek, Dan's sister, witnessed to me often. A friend of mine named Clara had recently gotten saved and invited me to church. I declined because Dan was against it. Sometime later, an actor from beyond and back was at Calvary Temple. Clara invited me to come to church again. This time, I went and was saved. Dan was upset at first, but three months later, he himself prayed with Terry to accept Jesus. When we hit a rough patch, Terry invited us to her church, and we remained there for 27 years. We had a rocky marriage. We were separated twice. The second time was due to alcohol. God delivered Dan from that in 1993. By 2002, we had two daughters and a son, ages 22, 19, and 13. Dan was starting a business, refinishing wood floors. He took a second job at the Clark Station at 3rd and North Grand while the business was getting off the ground. He also did announcing for SHG and other baseball and basketball games and had refinished a couple of gym floors in town. One particular day, I stopped by the station around 7.30 to see Dan. A half hour later, the assistant manager called the house looking for Dan. I walked to the station at the end of the block and Dan and his truck were not there. Dan was missing. The police soon showed up. Confused, I walked back to our house to wait as instructed by the police. My pastor came over, as did Terry Nimchek, to pray and to wait. Around 11 p.m., I went back to the station and found it taped off. A policewoman told me I needed to get to the hospital. The detective took me there, telling me a man fitting Dan's description was in the ER. My family and pastor and Terry came too. When we arrived at the hospital, the doctor said they had found Dan. They had tried to resuscitate him both in the ambulance and in the ER. I lost it then. They tried to prepare me for what I was about to see. Dan was on life support. They needed me to come and verify it was him. When I walked in the room, I just fell on my knees and cried out, Jesus, he's yours. Eventually, we brought the kids and the rest of the family in. I spent the night there. The next day, the neurologist came in and told us there had been no brain activity since he had come into the hospital. Dan's lungs were filling with fluid, and the medicines they were giving him were not working. They asked me what I wanted to do. I decided to let him go and at 8 a.m. the next morning, they turned off life support. I was in shock for the next several days, basically running on autopilot, yet the presence of the Lord was with me. The police found a soda cup that led to the man involved in Dan's death. A woman and a minor were also involved. Apparently, the man had come in pretending to buy a soda and pulled a gun on Dan. 
He robbed the gas station of around $250. Then he put Dan in his truck and drove to the country and beat him to death. The woman who was with him said Dan had recently given her children candy when she didn't have enough money to buy it. She was afraid he would recognize her. It seemed they needed the money for rent because they had spent their money on drugs. Eventually, they both pled guilty and were sentenced to prison without possibility of parole. I was asked by a friend if, for Jesus' sake, I could forgive the people who took Dan from us. I did ask Jesus to forgive them. You see, if they accept Jesus, they will be new creations and not the same people that killed Dan. If not, they have a worse punishment than I could ever give them. But forgiveness for me was not immediate. For some reason, I was able to forgive the woman involved, but not the man. It was only about five or four or five years ago that I asked Terry Rowe to pray with me to forgive the man and pray for his salvation. Now I feel like I have forgiven them both and pray for their salvation. The woman who was involved had a child about two or three years old. I wonder sometimes, what if she came to church one day? Jesus loves her and he loves all of them. She would have the opportunity to receive Jesus and live free from the past and her future would be bright. I live every day with the question, why? I accept that somehow Dan's death serves God's plan. Not that it was God's will, but that he can work good through anything. One thought that kept coming to me in my spirit, man, was God is love. I don't understand it all, but I do know that God is love and Jesus is my savior and he takes good care of me. I have learned much from this experience, but two things stand out. One, we live in a fallen world. God did not do this to Dan, to me, or to our family. These people did. We all have a choice, and God does not stop us from making that choice. These people chose to do what they did. Number two, God never leaves you. He is with you every minute of every day. There is never a time when you are alone. He was with me through all of this. He was with Dan, and he is with you always. This is my story. That is a story of tremendous courage and of forgiveness and of overcoming trauma. And today we are exploring how God heals our inner wounds. You know, when we experience a physical wound, we generally know what to do, don't we? We assess the injury. Is it superficial or is it serious? Can we get by with a Band-Aid and some Neosporin? Or, or do we need a trip to the ER? Because serious injuries require serious intervention. Superficial wounds, not so much. And you know, we tend to accept this approach when it comes to physical injuries. But what about our unseen wounds? Those inner wounds that affect our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Today we're gonna to take a few minutes to explore how God, the great physician, heals our inner wounds. I know you've stood a lot, but stand one more time because I'm gonna read from the word and I'd like you to stand as you hear the word of the Lord, I'm going to be reading from 
the book of Isaiah, where he prophesies about our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Receive the word of the Lord, and be, you may be seated. Throughout today's message, I'm going to use the comparison of physical wounds to inner wounds, and no doubt in a room this size with this many people, we have representation of both physical and inner injuries that have happened. But we begin by assessing the wounds. As human beings, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid getting hurt, do we not? We spend a lot of time trying to protect our bodies. Healthy people avoid harm. They don't rush towards it, right? Well, but what we know is that getting hurt or injured is just a part of the human experience. And so for simplicity's sake, I'm going to just describe three levels of injury. First is, of course, superficial injuries. We, we all know what it's like to stub our toe or to bang our arm or leg on something. Maybe get a paper cut at work. These are simple, superficial injuries that we really don't need to do a lot with. We don't need to direct our body. Our, our blood cell and skin cells know what to do to bring that repair. And within a short amount of time, we've even forgotten about the pain that we had in that moment. It's quickly forgotten. And superficial inner injuries are like that too. Maybe someone doesn't invite us to a party that we'd like to go to. Maybe somebody's rude to us at work or at church. <gasps> what, has that ever happened to you? Has anyone ever been rude to you at church? <laughs> oh, come on, you're supposed to laugh. That's funny, because, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 because people are people. Um, even our friends and our family, they let us down, do they not? Do they not? These are the typical hurts. These are the typical hurts and disappointments that all of us face in life. These experiences hurt our feelings in the moment, maybe even for a day or two, but emotionally and spiritually healthy people get back on their feet pretty quick and life goes back to normal. But what about major injuries? Major injuries, we know, happen with great regularity. So if the minor ones do, Major ones do too. Again, in a room this size, there are many people here who no doubt have had surgeries to uh, perhaps repair a rotator cuff, repair a broken bone, maybe after a car accident, third degree burns, even brain injuries, right? These are, uh, these are serious, serious injuries, and we know that Neosporin and a Band-Aid's not gonna work. It's just not gonna work. So we all, of course, we seek professional help when these things happen to address the injury because we want to get back to our life as normal as soon as possible. But what about major inner wounds? This is just a short list of major inner wounds. The loss of a loved one, infidelity of a partner, separation and divorce, 
losing a job, losing our financial provision, infertility, abortion, addiction, emotional rejection and social isolation, untreated mental health issues, and of course, poor or declining physical health. But much like a major physical injury, these major inner wounds do not heal on their own accord. They don't just get better. They require our attention and sometimes the help of others if we want to heal properly. And then the third, more devastating level would be a trauma injury. This is far more devastating and in physical wound, this would be like a heart attack or stroke. Might be uh, the multiple fractures, breaks in bones, brain injuries. These are traumatic injuries that can lead to catastrophic results. And immediate urgent medical attention is needed or the person may, may die. But we also know that traumatic inner wounds also exist. Traumatic inner wounds also exist. This would be the person who has suffered sexual assault. This would be the person who has suffered abuse at the hands of another person, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or chronic emotional and verbal abuse. Witnesses of war, extreme violence, or acts of terrorism. I don't know if you read the news this last couple of weeks, but two individuals who were connected to the Parkland shooting down in Florida, they had loved ones die. They committed suicide just this past week because they were struggling so much after losing, after losing their loved ones. Untreated mental illnesses, exposure to natural disasters, and then as we heard this morning, murder, the taking of life of one of our loved ones, or suicide, or abduction. But unlike individuals with untreated physical traumas, emotionally traumatized individuals may not succumb to death, but they do often feel dead on the inside. They often feel very numb on the inside, suffering from a long, untreated inner, inner wound. So we, we need to understand the wounded. We need to have some understanding for those that are wounded. And as Christians, you know, we, we cannot be, be naive about suffering this side of heaven. In the book of Job, it says quite simply, yet man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upwards. Right? We're born to trouble. Um, that trouble can often come in the form of a deep, painful inner wound that hurts the heart and the mind and the soul of a person. You do not see it so much on the outside, but it's there on the inside. And of course, Scripture is absolutely filled with examples of suffering in this way of an inner wound, every kind of suffering. Just a few would be Jacob. Uh, one of the patriarchs in the Old Testament had many sons. His sons actually came to him and told him his favorite son had been murdered. They were lying, but he did not know that, and he carried that agony for decades, believing that his son was dead. Or how about Hannah, who only wanted to have children at a time when that was the main purpose in a woman's life, and she was desperate. She was crying out so much, in her prayer time that the priest Samuel said, woman, what? you're drunk. Why are you here drunk? But she wasn't drunk. She was just suffering so much, so desperate for God to hear her pray, prayer and to know the, the hurt she was carrying. 
And of course, the benchmark, the hallmark in the scripture would be Job, right? Job, is, it's traumatic all the way around. He lost almost everything, his children, his home, his health, everything. And then Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I don't really need to add any more to that. He's, he's a prophet of God, serving God, and yet he's called the weeping prophet. He is hurting so badly. And then Peter. We think of Peter as this big, boisterous guy who just loved the Lord so much he was ready to lay his life down for him. And yet when he fulfilled Jesus' prophecy by denying the Lord three times, as soon as those words left his mouth, when he denied the Lord, a cloak of shame came over him. He went out and wept bitterly. And it wasn't until days later when the Lord personally called him out and restored him that he was ready to put down that cloak of shame. But he was in horrible pain that he had inflicted himself. And of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, weeping over Jerusalem, he presented the gospel to them, wanting them to be in the kingdom of God. But they didn't want him. They did not want his message. They rejected him. And the Bible says Jesus wept. He wept over them. So if someone is teaching you a, a, a doctrine in Christian life that is trouble-free, they are not teaching you the entirety of Scripture. We all need to have a theology of suffering, a scriptural approach to the real problem of emotional and inner wounds. And individual with emotional wounds are all around us. In fact, if we're honest, they may even be us. How can we tell if someone close to us is struggling with an inner wound? Well, there certainly are signs of that. And for simplicity's sake, I'm going to just look at three. Externalizing the wound. These are people that displace and project their internal pain through displacement. They, they spew it out on others. It may come out in hatred. It may come out in bitterness. It just comes out of them and onto others. They're externalizing their pain. Now, sometimes it's to people that are closest to them, like family members or their friends. Other times, it's complete strangers. As you can imagine, externalization leads to troubling relationships, right? That is not much fun to be around. That is not really fun to be around. It can cause employment issues and even sometimes criminal behavior. Or the opposite of that would be internalizing the wound. Other wounded people internalize their pain. In other words, they repress it and they compartmentalize it way, way down inside their minds and their emotions. They may even wear a mask of Christian perfection always doing great, everything's awesome, and you would never know that inside there's just a festering wound. Their, their soul is so hurt. And internalization often leads to deep depression, deep sadness and anxiety, and many times physical symptoms because the stress hormones are just flowing like a raging river in that person's body. And then thirdly, numbing the wound numbing the wounds. Others numb their emotional wounds with compulsions and addictions. When we are in any kind of emotional pains, our brains, so everyone in this room right up here, you know, the brain controls pretty much everything we've got going on. And this organ, the brain, when it's distressed, it reaches out for relief. It craves it. It says, I want to feel better. Make me feel better. And the way it often does that is to reach out for what's out there, right? What's easy? What can take away this pain? Drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, shopping, food. These are all things our brains react to just super quick. 
Get that relief, right? Sometimes we distract ourselves for hours, days, weeks, even years with things like entertainment, television, social media, sports. We will do just about anything to make that inner pain go away. But compulsion and addiction, of course, they don't ever make anything better, and they almost typically make everything a little bit worse. So how then can we deal with the inner wounds? Is there any hope for healing them? I want to assure you that the answer to this is yes, and that God invites each of us, God invites each of us to consider his healing touch. Now, before we get started with healing, we have to do a little prep work. Can you imagine if you were going in for a surgery and they didn't prep you before you went in? There might be some barriers there to your, to your successful healing. And so we're going to do that today as well. We know that we need to cleanse the wound by processing the pain. Processing the pain may often be the first step in healing. And can I just say that, yes, it hurts. It does not feel good to talk about it. Whether it was the evil and the hurt that happened to you, this pain came to you, or whether it was the evil and hurt that you caused, that you brought about. But we can begin to heal by processing it. Emotional and spiritual healing often means talking, crying, and praying through painful emotions, does it not? I'm grateful that for every beautiful psalm that you find in the Bible, in the 150 chapters of psalm, most of them tell the glory of God, his goodness to us, but you know what else is in some of those psalms? There's this window into the pain and suffering that we have as people, as human beings. And when we see that, it, it reminds us, it reminds us that the Bible wants us to know that, these, that the suffering this side of heaven is part of the human experience. Aren't you glad that the Bible is realistic in that way? Amen. Amen. It's, it's real. It's, it's, it's got the whole thing. It's not just tipped one way. It's the whole package of how we live. And I would say that most of us can process our inner wounds with our pastors, with our emotionally and spiritually stable family members and friends. We can process them, these pains with them. But other times we may need the help of a professional counselor. That's what I do for a living. And I often tell my clients as they come in for counseling, the counseling process, it's going to hurt before it helps. It's going to be a little bit painful before you start feeling better. But that is because we have to bring up the painful stuff. We have to bring it up to the surface, the shame, the bitterness, the pain of the past. The wound has to be acknowledged. But here is where tools and techniques that help us get unstuck can help us be ready to heal. Now, people will say, Glennis, why do we have to process? Why can't I just read a book? <laughs> can, I, can I just listen to a podcast on that? Right? Yeah, that would be awesome. But a wound that is not properly cleansed, it gets infected. I want you to hear that. A wound that is not properly cleansed gets infected and can become a chronic wound. A chronic wound is one that never heals. 
never heals. And this is just as true for emotional wounds as it is for physical wounds. Sometimes inner wounds are so deep, so infected with bitterness and pain, that it now affects almost every aspect of a person's life. Years ago, a woman wrote a book called Hurt People Hurt People. She wasn't stuttering. She meant people that carry a lot of pain tend to project that pain everywhere on others. And so we know we have to bring the emotional wound to the surface. Burying it doesn't work. Projecting it, displacing it doesn't work. But once we cleanse the wound, think of this. Once we cleanse the wound, a scar begins to form and healthy healing can begin. And while it's painful to process, friends, it's much better for us to carry a scar than a chronic wound, right? Think of that. I would much prefer to have a scar than a chronic wound. The other prep work that we must do is choosing the path of forgiveness. I'm so grateful that Donna shared her journey to forgiveness after the murder of her husband. I hope you could hear that it was not automatic like some switch that got flipped. She needed to process her emotional trauma. She talked to others. She prayed with others. She prayed by herself. She talked and prayed with her pastor. She prayed again. She looked to the Word of God. She looked to the Spirit of God. And finally, when she looked through the eyes of Jesus, when she looked through the eyes of Jesus, she could find full forgiveness. That's where she found full forgiveness. Now, I'm quite sure most of us in this room have not had a loved one murdered. But some of us, we hold on to resentment. We hold on to wrongs that have been done to us. And this offense that you have in your mind right now, it was real. It may have cut you to your soul. You may even be thinking about revenge. But friends, hear me today. Everyone, Everyone is wronged by someone. Everyone has a list of offenses done to them, and certainly some are more horrific than others. But there are only two paths from wrongs and offenses. There's, there are only two paths. One is unforgiveness. One is forgiveness. Rumination, playing that thing over and over again, constantly looking in the rearview mirror of your mind, Resentment and bitterness, that leads to unforgiveness. If you want forgiveness, then you have to take on an attitude of humility, learning to love like Jesus loved, letting go of judgment, and then finding full forgiveness. I'm so grateful that as Don expressed it, you could help. It was not easy, but it is the only way to heal. Now, you know, sometimes in the hospital, patients discharge themselves on their own, right? Against medical advice. Uh, the doctors have a treatment plan for them. Uh, they have what they think they're supposed to do. And the patient decides for a variety of reasons, I don't want to do that. I'm going home, right? Well, we can go against the master's advice. We can go AMA, Christians, when we do not follow our call to forgiveness. God calls us to forgive, and if we want to heal, then we must follow his advice. Choose health and choose forgiveness. 
And as we do those steps, as we cleanse the wound, as we find the path of forgiveness, now we're ready for the great physician to do his healing work. God's healing is possible through faith. If you need inner healing today, you must become a child of God. We know that God is holy and we are all sinners. There is a psalm, Psalm 38.5, it paints a pretty graphic picture of what it's like for us. It says, my wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. Ew, right? But this is all of us. We're all sinners. And God wants to work in each of us, but we must accept his path, his holiness. And we have to acknowledge our sinfulness, otherwise it's a barrier to our healing. But 1 John 1.9 instructs us, it instructs us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is not alarmed by our festering loathsome wounds. Aren't you glad for that today? He's not alarmed by that, but he does ask us to participate by confessing our sins and allowing the cleansing blood of Jesus to bring us into the family of God. And once we identify as a child of God, even if our faith is very small, and sometimes don't you feel like your faith is really tiny? You feel like it's just so small. But there are simple faith practices that we can incorporate into our daily lives to help us in this process. The first is trust. We must trust by giving God control. Take on the attitude of trusting God to lead you, but you have to trust him. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and the one who delights in his way. Though he fall, do you get that? We're going to fall. Though he fall, he will not be cast down because the Lord upholds him in his hand. So we have to trust that God has us right there in his hand, whatever is going on. Then we need to pray. We are a church of prayer. I think we prayed 10, maybe 15 times in the first service today because we've received members. We prayed over babies. It was, we were praying about Easter. We pray about many, many things. And in our personal lives, we need to pray as well. We need to cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us, the Bible says. You can tell God your troubles. You can tell him your troubles. And then as you wait to listen, you will hear and receive the peace of God, the comfort of God. That's the other part of prayer, is listening to what the Lord is saying to you. It can bring health to your heart and to your mind as you pray. And then believe. We need to believe your inner healing will come. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals. Who? God. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is what a life of faith looks like, friends. We trust, we pray, and we believe our healing will come. And God's healing is promised through Jesus. Now, I, I spent the last few months just rereading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, the three years of Jesus' ministry. I wanted to saturate my mind, my very person. I wanted to saturate myself with Jesus talking, him listening, him praying, him touching and healing, him just being with people. 
I wanted to read it over and over and over again. And so that was my focus for a few months, is just reading through the Gospels and that saturating presence of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I love him more today. I love Jesus more today than I ever have in my life. I love him more than when he saved me, than when he healed my body. And I do that, I say that to you today, because as I read those words again, I've read them before, but as I saturated myself in them again, I could see so clearly that God's healing is promised through Jesus. It's promised through Jesus, amen? Do you hear that? Whatever we have going on, the healing is already done in Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking to you today. He's speaking to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5, Isaiah is prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He did it. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And hear this, by his wounds, we are healed. It's in Jesus we are healed. God's healing is often a process. Now listen, <laughs> sometimes God moves in a moment and we are delivered instantly. Don't you love it when it happens like that? You come down for prayer, it's specific, and God immediately delivers you. Those are beautiful, beautiful moments of healing. They're fantastic. However, we can also say it is also quite typical of God to not deliver us instantly. He often takes us through a process of releasing our burden and receiving the healing balm. Think of that. We release our burden and we receive the healing balm. Well, this may take time, right? People often ask me, Glennis, well, how much more time? When is this going to happen? When? <laughs> you know, they're tired. They want it to be gone now. I, I wish I had some magic answer for that. I do not. But I do have the Word of God. And the Word of God says, we, this side of heaven, we see through a glass darkly right now. We do not see things perfectly. But when we see the Lord face to face, we will see everything perfectly. So we may have to be in the process for a long time. I often say, as many of you do as well, life is hard, but God is good. Oh my goodness. Can you say God is good? God is good. So I 
do not know where you are today. As Pastor Mark said earlier, some of you may be in just a wonderful place where everything is going great, praise God for those days, or you may be at the other end of the spectrum and really struggling. But today God is inviting some of you to step out in faith to receive a greater healing for inner wounds. Prayer teams, would you come on down to the front? Come down toward the altar. I'd like everyone in the room to stand, please. And today, we are going to release our burden of inner wounds through prayer. We are going to receive healing through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We today are going to be healed through the work of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? He already did the work. He wants to work in our lives. And we also can be healed in worship because God inhabits the praise of his people, does he not? He does, he does. So just in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer of healing. If you would like someone to pray with you personally, I want to encourage you to come down. You may have need for inner healing. You may have need for physical healing or need help with a job or some other issue that's going on in your life. It really doesn't matter. These brothers and sisters in Christ are here to pray with you regardless of what you have going on in your life. And after the last song of worship is done, I'd appreciate it if you'd allow, as you're dismissed, you just allow others to stay in prayer. But could we all bow our heads and let's pray together? Heavenly Father, we truly thank you we thank you because you have made us your very children. You have called us the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Lord, when we identify with that, we know there is no good thing that you would withhold from us. And so, Father, for those that are bearing burdens, God, they've got them tied up tight in their hearts inner wounds, Lord, that they've never cleansed. We pray that today would be that step towards releasing God, that burden. We pray that the Holy Spirit would speak sweet peace and comfort over each person, God. We know that in you, you've already bound up our wounds. God, you heal our broken hearts. We, we just need to receive that today. And we ask for empowerment through the Holy Spirit to be at work in each person's lives. And as we leave, Lord, that we would pursue you throughout the week, that we would earnestly seek after you, Lord. And we know you do not disappoint. You are a God of healing. You are a God of grace and great mercy. And today, Lord, we thank you for what you have done, but what you are also going to do, Lord. We give you all the glory, and it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. If you have a need, please come down and let a brother or sister pray with you today.